that, that's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at Fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. Welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick. Uh, we are going to talk all NBA today. Uh, we'll talk about the weekend and any takeaways out of it, uh, some of the make-miss playoff prices, which Drew has a lean on, and then we'll talk MVP uh, and a chaotic six-man-of-the-year market, uh, which is, I think, a fun one to break down. But let's start off, Drew. How was your weekend uh, and any big betting takeaways? Yeah, uh, incredible weekend. I'm fresh off the slopes here up in uh, Mammoth uh, Lakes, California. Just an incredible experience. Beautiful skiing, beautiful vistas, incredible conditions. Uh, I'm in a great mood. Uh, and yeah, the um, uh, the biggest takeaways from the weekend from a betting perspective, um, uh, the golf in Mexico was actually super entertaining. Um, the, uh, the tennis was, uh, sad, uh, Iga not getting home in, uh, Dubai hurt, uh, a lot. Uh, but the NBA has been phenomenal. Um, there are so many things cooking right now and the all-star break has a tendency some years, I feel like to throw cold water on the just the momentum that the league has going. And this year it feels the opposite, yeah. right? Like it felt like every kind of important storyline was immediately like being contested on court between, you know, in between teams fighting for playoff spots on Thursday, on Friday, Saturday through today. And, uh, you know, we've seen goods and bads, like some of the, um, you know, some of the teams that you may have rated based on pre-trade deadline uh, rosters like the Nets, uh, they can't create. It doesn't matter that they fired their coach and that they love their new coach and that they really want to play for him. They have no one that can create offense. Uh, a team like uh, the uh, Suns, uh, two just absolutely trip over yourself uh, performances coming out of the break here where you're like, this is all of your worths are exposed here. Your defense is a disaster. Like, how do you write the ship? Uh, they write the ship in uh, impressive fashion today against the, the Lakers. Um, and, uh, you know, I felt like the teams at the top of the West in particular, who I, I kind of want to highlight, um, man, they came out of the All-Star break with a purpose, right? Everybody is playing with a very distinct purpose right now. Like, the stakes are clear. This is wide open if you have, uh, you know, home court advantage in the uh, Western Conference round one of the playoffs, and um, you're seeing renewed uh, enthusiasm from a Nuggets team that was a little lackadaisical, uh, lackadaisical uh, in the uh, month of uh, February, and you're seeing uh, just outstanding play from the Thunder so far. Like, holy smokes, this team is as good as advertised, is maybe even taking their game overall to the next level. Uh, the Clippers-Thunder game was the most important game that's happened since All-Star break, by far, in my opinion. And there were some interesting takeaways there. Uh, Clippers definitely did not necessarily come out with as much intensity as the Thunder did. Um, and, you know, particularly out of halftime, they were a little bit, uh, like, unsure who was ultimately responsible for running the offense, which I thought was a little surprising. Uh, whereas the Thunder just played f- just supremely efficient basketball. Uh, everybody knows their role. Everybody is in absolute uh, lockstep with the uh, same vision. And uh, it's pretty cool to see. The Thunder team is very, very, very good. And uh, the three wins they have now on the uh, on the backside of this all-star break were all absolutely well-earned. And uh, I think we're going to continue to see winning basketball from uh, Oklahoma City. 
Yeah, Oklahoma City, they're still 25 to 1 uh, to win the title, which just seems monstrous uh, to me when you think about just the way that SGA and Jalen Williams and Jed Holmgren are playing. Gordon Hayward is slowly getting eased back into it. Giddy is such a strange piece um, on the team. And I kind of wish that he just, if if you're going to have a bet on Oklahoma City to win the title, I just wish that he just didn't exist. I'm just not sure that he's really going to help them a great deal in the playoffs. I guess he's still soaking up minutes in the regular season. But I thought that, you know, one of the telling moments of the season so far was, I believe it was in that Clippers game where um, they now pulled Giddy at halftime yeah. for Isaiah Jones. Like, we're not, huge, we're not the huge call. Which yeah. is, uh, and I think it helped them win the game. But, like, right now we're recording um, Sunday night where it's the middle of the fourth quarter uh, in the Oklahoma City game. And, like, they were down almost 20 in the second against Houston. Now they're up double digits. Like, this team yeah. is just, a, it has been a regular season monster. Uh, and at some point, like, regular season has to translate a little bit um, to the postseason, even though if there are some potential shortcomings around experience and the lack of size and rebounding, like there are a lot of things that this team does well. And uh, I don't feel great about the Wolves at the moment, um, who <laughs> lost to the Bucks at home and then really struggled to put away a pathetic Brooklyn Nets team. Now, admittedly, yeah. without... Gobert, uh, who in some ways is probably, I mean, he's been, I think he's been their best player this season and is probably a little bit more indispensable, but I mean, it's pretty close between him and Gobert. But I mean, that was a disgr- just a disgraceful game in general against the Nets. So, I mean, they're the only team right now that sits above OKC in the standings. And if OKC is going to have home court against everyone else uh, and may only have to play one of Denver and the Clippers potentially, I think this price, like they have a longer price to, than Phoenix to win the West and to win the title. Like I just don't, I don't understand that at all. Well, I do understand. I think that's, I think that's just wrong. I think Oklahoma is <laughs> more likely to win the West and the title than the Suns, even if you don't believe in OKC because of their youth. Yeah. I think it's pretty hard to make the case that right now, uh, are the Suns in the seventh seed right now, like a team, a play-in team that hasn't really shown a great deal. They're more likely to win than OKC, who yeah. have you know, basically pick to get the one seed at the moment. Like, that just doesn't cohere to me at all. Yeah, plus the uh, Suns have a fatal flaw, which we'll cover in a moment. <laughs> the, the, the Thunder don't, honestly. Um, it's a really good team. And, uh, yeah, the fact that Dagan now pulled uh, the plug on the Giddy, uh, you know, in the second half of that Clippers game, I think told you how seriously they took that game. Uh, and that was the deciding coaching. That was the, that was, that was, you know, that was it. The game was won because of that decision, I felt like. And um, Dagonal definitely needs uh, some su- some sincere credit uh, for what he's doing and how he's understanding and how he's learning about this roster. And, like, if you have those games in the regular season, which will be instructive to you uh, when it comes to making adjustments in the playoffs, then uh, you can start believing in this team a little bit more. Um, I got to tell you, the, uh, the Gordon Hayward experience is leaving me cold. I'm not there. I'm not there. Uh, I, I, I'm, I've, I'm much, much warmer on the uh, the Isaiah Joe as sort of the guy sure. that you want in your closing five. Um, but uh, really just uh, uh, the balance on that team is, is pretty special. Uh, and the Timberwolves are a different story entirely. Um, I felt like the Bucks beating the Timberwolves on Friday night. Was that a C game from the Bucks? <laughs> and they like made it like kind of not really even competitive. There was a little bit of a flourish at the end for the Timberwolves where you thought maybe they'll come back, but the Bucks did not play great in that game, uh, which I think was a little bit of an indictment of uh, sort of the reality of the Timberwolves being, um, you know, competitive once we get to playoff time and everything I've seen so far from the Thunder has been the opposite. So um, yeah, this team's for real and uh, they're going to scoop some awards. Yeah. A couple other things coming out of the break. One, uh, the Bucks. Uh, I mean, two impressive wins from the Bucks. I mean, they beat, they win in Minnesota as four and a half point dogs, and then they destroy the Sixers uh, in Philly. Uh, we're recording on Sunday, so today as we're speaking. Uh, and I mean, that's not like the Sixers aren't great, but still, I mean, that line was like four and a half, and they beat, yeah. they destroyed them by twenty one, and that's with Middleton um, missing both games. Like it's just much like teams in crisis all season. They're thirty seven and twenty one, and they're within shouting distance of the two seed, which is. The only thing that really matters for them. Um, we'll talk about MVP in a sec, but Giannis has is slightly building there, though he's, it's still going to be uphill for him. The other thing too, and we're not going to deep dive this, given that we talked about it 
uh, on Friday morning's show. But I think this most improved player market's going to get really weird because Maxi, again, 8 yeah. of 19 today, another blowout loss. The team's like minus 270 to finish in the play-in. Uh, and as we speak, like as we speak, Kobe White is 3 of 13 and negative 16 in a game that his team is winning. Um, so I think there is – and Kaminga – Kaminga just doesn't shoot anymore. He doesn't get shot. Um, so I don't know what's going on with Steve Kerr's rotation. He falls in and love of out of he falls in love and out of love with guys um, on a weekly cadence. So yeah, I think. I mean, when we talked about Jalen Williams at fifty to one, uh, who's having another good game as we speak, I think it is kind of live for that type of candidate um, yeah. to to get in the mix. But uh, yeah. let's one talk other, about yeah, yeah one other kind of weekend takeaway. Um, the Cavs was games game was, I think a little instructive. Um, we're at the time of the season where you need to have eyes wide open for teams that are pulling the plug. Uh, and the Wiz clearly are, um, they were, they were, were they up six in the fourth quarter and, uh, Cavs almost covered like that was absurd. Um, it was, you know, looking for live opportunities to bet against teams that have no intention of winning, I think is uh, going to be a nice way to pad the portfolio in March. Yeah, I mean, it was 94-88, uh, and then I blinked, uh, and then the Cavs are up 105-98, um, just like that, <laughs> largely because of uh, a friend that we'll get to in the six-man-of-the-year market, uh, Mr. Levert. But let's uh, let's talk about these make-miss playoff prices um, that have shifted a little bit in constant flux, obviously updating every day, but you have a thought on uh, the Suns, who are minus 320 to make the playoffs, plus 270 to miss. Yeah. I kind of admitted the miss price here. Um, this Suns uh, schedule down the home stretch is absolutely hellacious. Like, it really cannot be overstated how much harder their schedule is than the next hardest schedule. And they're up against teams who are healthy and who are in form and who are jockeying for their own playoff positions uh, on top of the fact that the Suns have a fatal flaw, which is that they don't play defense. Um, and it's not even an effort thing. They just are not rostered well to have a competitive defense. Like they can't have uh, a roster that is either effective offensively with the pieces around Durant and Booker and also protects the rim and also guards the wings uh, or, you know, and the Mavericks took advantage of this so aggressively on the Thursday night game uh, out of the break uh, between the Mavericks and the Suns. If you, if you saw the second half of that game, it was like, man, how are the Suns beating anyone in the playoffs? How are they getting into the playoffs? Like that was all I could think. Uh, and they backed it up with another poor performance before, you know, slightly riding the ship today against the Lakers. But if, if it takes a, a get-right game against the Lakers for you to find a win this time of year, and you're looking at the schedule that they are, you know, staring at over the next uh, two months, like, this is going to be really, really tough for them uh, to find a very strong foothold in a very competitive Western Conference. I think pretty clearly um, you can, you know, slot – uh, you know, some of the teams in the Southwest, Southeast, uh, so me, the Southwest uh, ahead of them. And uh, I think ultimately, um, yeah, Pell's getting the five seems likely. Uh, I don't think anyone's cracking the top four. All four of those teams are the true blue top four. Uh, the top half, the home court, I think is locked in now uh, in the Western Conference. And uh, I'm going to slot the Pelicans at five. Uh, based on the quality of play you're seeing right now from Doncic and Kyrie Irving, I'm fine having the Mavericks at six, which means you're going to have to play your way into a seven or eight seed if you're the Phoenix Suns. And the Kings, even though I don't rate them, are playing good basketball, and their schedule is easier. Uh, the Golden State Warriors are playing good basketball, and their schedule is easier. The Lakers, like it literally might come down to Lakers-Suns in the 9-10. I don't think we should completely rule out that possibility because – uh, these teams are pretty closely bunched in terms of wins. Uh, and, you know, I think maybe I am, you know, kind of a little bit uh, overrating the Warriors. They may kind of fall apart here, but, like, I have at least seen, like, well, they finally made a, the huge coaching uh, adjustment of get Andrew Wiggins to play better. Uh, like, you know, get, you know, get uh, uh, you know, just in general, the ball uh, in the hands of your guys who are good. Uh, and so, you know, maybe the Warriors have – you know, left too much ground to make up to get into sort of seven, eight position. Um, and the Suns will still have one opportunity, maybe even on home court, uh, to play their way into the playoff mix. But at plus 270, um, I, I, I think this price is ridiculous. And 
even more than that. Like I kind of just want to be no on the Suns to do anything in the playoffs in the West in the you know for the title. Like this team is not rostered to play well in a best of seven series, and I think uh, the rest of the West is just too good uh, to give them much credibility right now. So I think you know against Suns was sort of my you know kind of most confident thesis at the All Star break. Uh, and what we saw, particularly in that Mavericks game, I think just helped triple me down in terms of my opinion on that. Yeah, I think the Suns are interesting because people, I think, focus on the fact that, you know, Beal has only, well, he's barely played this season. He's played 30 out of uh, 58, 59 games. And then the depth and or the lack of depth, theoretically. But to me, the problem is that like their best guys aren't aren't good enough at the moment. Like there was, I think, a thought that Booker, after that epic playoff run, that he would vault into you know a guy who could finish you know fourth or fifth in MVP, that type of level of player, um, and basically that he would make the type of leap that Donovan Mitchell has made this season, and he hasn't really. Uh, and the idea that Kevin Durant, who you know for a lot of last season before. Uh, injuries hit. I mean, he was kind of the third guy for MVP behind Embiid and Jokic, and he's just not as good. Uh, he's, you know, this is his what age thirty-five season. His true shooting is down from. I mean, last year it was almost sixty-nine percent, and now it's down to sixty-four percent. I think defensively, he hasn't been the same guy really ever since he got to Phoenix. That was an underrated thing of, you know, the Brooklyn stint last season where he was, you know, playing incredibly well defensively at a level that. Uh, his defense has always been weird. I think back to that Golden State Oklahoma City series where he's defending the rim and like repeat blocking Andre Iguodala, and it's just like, what is this guy like the best rim protector in the league? What the hell's going on? What's he? What sport is he playing? Uh, and then it just seems to wax and wane a little bit. And this year he hasn't been, you know, he's certainly not a liability or anything, but I don't think he's been the weapon that he was defensively in Brooklyn last season. And if those two guys aren't at, you know, elite. MVP fringe kind of discussion level, then the team just isn't that special because I think that if Durant was playing at the level he was in Brooklyn and Booker was playing at close to the level he was in the playoffs, then I mean, guys like Grayson Allen, Akogi, Royce O'Neal, Eric Gordon, they're fine. Like they're fine enough. Nurkic, but just they haven't gotten to that level and I'm not sure that is really there. I do think that in terms of just betting against the Suns, I would suspect that you know, potentially the best bet will come just embedding them, their opponent in a round one playoff series, because I think the pedigree of the team is such the kind of banked statuses of Durant, Booker, Beal. I I can't imagine in the West, the Suns are going to be like plus 200 in any playoff series, right? They're going to get the respect um, because of the names and because that is in the relative recent history of what they've done. Yeah. Um, But, I just I don't think they should be favored against any of the top four seeds in the West, yeah. given they won't have. <laughs> so totally agreed. Uh, and honestly, when we were doing content around the all-star break, it was literally licking my chops for you could get a home dog against the Suns in round one. Like this is going to be great. And now I'm like, oh man, I might need to play playoffs. No, because I might not ever get that chance, <laughs> right? Like it's not that crazy. Like they're and I can't even really overstate how absurd their schedule is. Um, yeah, just there's no freebies, uh, and uh, you know the fact that Beal has been unable to you know stay healthy, stay on the court. Like if that if he puts together a 25 game stretch where he is available regularly and playing well, then I'm going to have to eat some crow. But I just I'm, I'm fine saying that that's not likely right now. Yep. No, I uh, I agree with you there. Okay, before we get to MVP, spring training is here. So for those looking to get ahead on the upcoming MLB season, grab your Roto-World Baseball Draft Guide. It's loaded with comprehensive positional rankings, projections, and player profiles to ensure your draft is a success. Visit NBCSports.com slash draft guide and use code BASEBALL24 to get 10% off at checkout. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. You 
ready to be a part of it? Let's go, give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric CDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. Hey, Fidelity. How can I remember to invest every month? With the Fidelity app, you can choose a schedule and set up recurring investments in stocks and ETFs. Huh, that sounds easier than I thought. You got this. Yeah, I do. Now, where did I put my keys? You will find them where you left them. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. All right, NBA most valuable player market. Now, this is going to be in a little bit of flux because uh, Jokic is having a massive game uh, as we speak on national television. As uh, I'm saying these words, he's 24, 14, and 12, plus 13 against the Warriors. Uh, Shea is also having a big game. He's at 31, and he's only just come back in for his last stint. In the fourth, Giannis, another massive game uh, against the Sixers. And Doncic had a huge first half, but then he has to take a hit overall, given that they just lost um, to the Pacers. So as we speak, Jokic minus 120, SGA plus 200, Doncic plus 600, and Giannis is 12 to 1. And I think that's where your list of realistic candidates ends. Um, Any new thoughts on MVP? I'm just glad you put the question to me that way. Why in the world were was anyone beating the drum for Jason Tatum MVP this last yeah. handful of days? Like, stop. Like, what? What? Why? Uh, and the fact that that is uh, pretty clearly not going to happen, I think, is, is is pretty straightforward right now. Uh, there are four candidates who can win. Uh, SGA would be the bet at price for me, even though it's not as good of a price as uh, Giannis, uh, 12-1, to 1, which I think is way too long. Um, yeah, this is going to come down to the wire. Uh, the Tatum, if you don't know what I'm talking about, there was a couple of days where there was just nothing to say about the NBA because no games had been played and we were in the midst of the All-Star break. And, you know, people, talking heads start to kick around. Hey, is Tatum in the MVP conversation? We need, we need a topic. We need some fodder. Like, we need something to say here. And that will continue to happen through the month of March and April when it comes to NBA content broadly. People are going to need to come up with something to talk about and I realistically think Jokic fading from this price is likely because people will talk themselves into the other candidates. I don't think that he warrants this massive favorite status. And we've said this a dozen times on this podcast in the last month, but like it should be a two man, you know, first tier at roughly similar prices, if not SGA small favorite in my opinion. And I think uh, Doncic and, and Giannis with the potential to just steal based on, you know, treeing for, you know, running like gods for the month, you know, for the month of March, like don't, don't overlook that. It can happen and they can steal it. Like there, there will be, uh, you know, a sexy narrative about some player who is on an absolute heater uh, during the time where everybody's focused on March Madness. We need some NBA topic to talk about. Uh, and uh, it'll get, to- it'll get, uh, it'll get bandied about. And this, this is long from decided uh, is kind of where I'm at. Um, I guess the only, New thought to add is that Jokic does seem to be playing with purpose out of the All-Star break. Like, you've kind of always kind of noted that he cares more than he actually lets on by a lot. Uh, and it's pretty clear that he cares. Like, he is literally, he's, you know, he's trying to come up with the highlight plays. He's trying to come up with, uh, you know, some of the stuff that can be MVP fodder. Um, let's see him do that for, you know, keep that intensity, keep that focus for a couple more weeks. Cause I, I think realistically, this is probably um, as good of a period of time as you could expect for a Jokic MVP case. Like, right. Like this last handful of games, he's been amazing. They've been playing bad teams. He's been putting up, uh, you know, absurd stats. Uh, that's going to fade. 
Uh, and I think the fact that you know that all of the rest of the guys are keeping pace and or closing in uh, is a problem for his candidacy. Yep, no, I'm I'm with you there. I think just a, a little random thing. Um, so I was looking at Denver's schedule. When you look at strength of schedule uh, in the NBA, you always have to look at like what the last two or three games are because um, like the Nuggets, their strength of schedule um, is I think in terms of just them, say, winning a division or getting a one seed or Jokic's MVP case, like the last two teams that they play are the Spurs and the Grizzlies. Like if you're betting Jokic MVP, and it's a small thing, but you'd rather those be, you know, in the middle of March so that you can bank those wins and play teams like, you know, the Timberwolves or the Celtics the last two games of the season when they might not have much at play. Um, It's another thing with, so the Orlando Magic, their schedule, which I was just marveling at um, earlier today, like they play their next like 12 games. It's like 10 tanking teams. And then the Knicks <laughs> probably without OG and Randall uh, yeah. and then home paces. But those are, and then outside of that, it's like they play Charlotte twice. They play home Utah. They play Washington, Brooklyn, Toronto twice. Like it's insane. And their last three games of the season, they play the Bucks twice and they play at the Sixers, by which time Embiid may be back. They may not have anything to play for, but like that's perfect for Orlando. You'd much rather play the Bucks uh, on April 10 and April 14 than in the middle of March, because by that point, they may not have anything to play for with seeding locked up, um, yeah. which makes the Orlando already by far the easiest schedule in the league, makes it even easier, and, uh, and why I think even with this loss to Atlanta, I think they should be favoured over Miami to win that division. But with Jokic, uh, I mean, it's funny because... He seems to really rev it up for these national TV games. Like he took yeah. nine shots in the first quarter against Golden State. Uh, he was uh, amped up in that Celtics game. He's going all out. Yeah. And even like in the Bucks game as well, the first one in Denver, he was playing hard in that game. But then he'll have, you know, random games against the Kings or whatever that aren't as big of an occasion. And he's just kind of, all right, well, I'm just going to score two points in my 12-minute stint in the first quarter. And I'm just not sure in this race that, waxing and waning like that is going to do it and my thought my kind of guiding thought with this race is I'm fairly confident that if SGA finishes ahead of Jokic in the standings that SGA will win MVP and currently he is favored to do that because the Thunder who are about to win this game against Houston are by 15 with two and a half minutes left as we're recording uh they're up on the Nuggets and they have an easier schedule and I think they're less likely to take the pedal um off the gas and I think that, you know, there's so a couple other things to think about. One, if that is the case, then why did Jokic destroy SGA in the straw poll? And I think that's just because of it was just in the immediate aftermath of the Embiid injury and Jokic is just the cleaner guy to default to. Sure. When you have another two months to think about it and it sinks in that, oh, SGA has a better record uh, with a much better story and narrative and with perceived, you know, worse teammates um, than Jokic then I think it's going to be hard for people to ultimately justify Jokic over SGA when the advanced stats are basically a wash. And this is, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but my thought on this is that I kind of feel like that the, the winds of change are in motion and the narrative is starting to shift. And I'll give you three examples. Um, so... Just before the All-Star break, Shaquille O'Neal, uh, I think the broadcast for the Thunder Magic game, he said Jokic was his MVP right now. A couple of days ago, he flipped. He said SGA. Stephen A. Smith, when he gave his big Tatum speech, he was like, the only other guy I want to hear in the MVP discussion with Tatum is SGA. I don't want to hear about Nikola Jokic in a four seed. Uh, Rob Perez, uh, who does his like uh, weekly MVP leaderboard, flipped to SGA uh, from Jokic for the first time this week. Now, these things, like of those three, only Stephen A is a voter, but I think that kind of, those guys are somewhat indicative of what just the kind of the mass chat is about MVP. I think that it is starting to shift towards SGA and the more that the the Thunder, the more days that they spend like tied for the one seed or in the one seed as they are now, the only thing is just going to build and build and people are going to end up at what to me is the logical conclusion, which is that Shea Gildas Alexander is your MVP. Yeah, uh, we agree. <laughs> uh, so story time, and then uh, I'm going to pose a question to you. Um, yeah. So earlier this season, I was pretty aggressively betting Jokic 2-1 to one whenever it was available. 
uh, stacked a little position and figured I'm just going to ride this out. A lot of my thinking was Embiid could get hurt. Uh, and I have completely liquidated what I have in good prices on Jokic to bet SGA. Um, there are places where you can get a decent sized stake on MVP. And uh, I've been max max clicking and getting resistance. Like somebody else out there is on the other side, continuing to give a very favorable price to bet SGA in the two to one or better range. Uh, so that's kind of where my head is at right now in terms of just what I want to happen uh, and what would be the best outcome for me by a lot. Um, so uh, very much a Thunder fan right now. Uh, a smart guy asked me a question, which was, I thought pretty interesting, uh, which was, hey, you got a young team like the Thunder. Like, is there a chance that they kind of hit the wall at the end of the season? They kind of run out of gas or they kind of uh, like don't have the focus to close. And I said, actually, like the in my experience, the young teams tend to not be as judicious about saving it for the playoffs. And they do tend to compile wins. Uh, down the stretch and they do tend to uh, you know kind of rise to the top in terms of uh, standing and if right now if you're like which of these teams is playing with the most purpose uh, has the best schedule has the best path to get the one seed in the west it's clearly OKC Uh, and I think uh, for all of these reasons they're going to be very very tough to beat in the awards market and your underlying thesis of OKC being number one seed is that all that the voters need to put him at the top of the MVP ranking? Of course it is. Of course it is. If, the OK, if OKC gets the one seat, that is the most, that is the story of the season, period. And I think they get lots of consideration across all the awards, but uh, SGA as the MVP is sort of the default acknowledgement of that. Um, so right now, I think that's kind of the bet to be made. Uh, and I think two to one is a favorable price. And uh, I'm kind of intrigued to see how this plays out because, again, somebody's on the other side of me on this one. <laughs> ben Jokic, every click. Juan was on the other side with uh, Miles Garrett, defensive player of the that's, year. Back that's awesome. Um, and that was, you know, that was in Rocking Chair winner, right? Uh, <laughs> well, <it> was <laughs> but, rocking uh, Chair yeah. against Parsons wasn't Rocking Chair against Watt in the end. Yeah. So do you think that uh, that theory holds uh, any water of a young team like this not really – recognizing that they need to kind of pull their punches and, and save a little juice for the playoffs that they just sprint to the close. I think it was pretty instructive as to how they're treating the regular season that they went to the length of benching Josh Giddy in a big game uh, out of halftime against the Clippers when there was nothing wrong with him physically. I think that signaled intent as to how much, you know, they want the one seed. I think the safer thing there, the conservative passive option is just to try and let him figure it out. It's a regular season game. You know, they, they wanted that game um, and, and they went and got it. But I think that the, any kind of concerns about them hitting the wall are just mitigated by the fact that they have a really easy schedule and the easy schedule comes exactly when you'd want it to, which is um, this upcoming stretch that we're in right now um, where like he's just not gonna, they're not gonna have massive losing streaks because they keep on, yeah, they play uh, uh, at Phoenix, at the Lakers next week, and then they play at Portland, home Miami, home Memphis. Uh, they have another game against Memphis right after that. Um, there and again with this, like, who do you play the last couple of days of the season? Well, SGA his last two games of the season on the Friday and Sunday that the regular season ends, Milwaukee and Dallas which I think is kind of perfect because I think those games are highly unlikely to matter for MVP because when is MVP ever decided on the final weekend of the season? Like people are making up their minds and writing their columns by then and it's very hard to flip MVP on the final day of the season. So <laughs> I think it's good for SGA because I think that he is, right to me right now, he is on the path. If I'm an SGA backer and I am, I just kind of want, I don't want like outliers. I don't want to be exposed to, uh, you know, massive high leverage individual games because I think the status quo enduring should be enough to get him home. So, yeah, I think that I think he should be the favorite. Um, the way I price this market right now, I have SGA 45% to win, Jokic 35%, and then Luka and Giannis 10% each. Um, okay. So, 
It's basically, so yeah, what, plus 122 on SGA by that, and he's plus 200. His MVP price right now is longer than OKC's one seed price, and to me that's, that's just completely insane because I think he is no. much more likely um, to win MVP outside of the one seed than he is to lose with the one seed. Um, Could so not I think agree more. That if you're bullish on OKC, you think they're going to get the one seed, I'd just be betting SGA um, MVP. Um just quickly, just so we say the names, Luca's price has shortened a lot lately, and I get it. They had a seven-game win streak. His counting stats are absurd. I just think it's going to be really hard for him to win a head-to-head MVP matchup with Shea when Shea has – I don't think any – like everyone thinks that Kyrie is the best teammate across the two teams and the Thunder are miles ahead in terms of record. Um, if Luca absolutely destroys SGA in their matchup in the middle of March head-to-head, then maybe, but I just – the other thing with Luca is that his on-off isn't good. It's never good, no. whatever reason. I think that is going to hurt him a little bit too. I think he can win if he just goes crazy and they get the five seed and he beats SGA head-to-head and keeps on putting up these ridiculous stats. But I think it's uphill for him. I think Giannis needs Shade and Jokic to be like the three and the four seed and then he surges into the two seed, which is possible. And he's been incredible, but he they've got a lot of narrative to kind of unwind and, and rebuild about their season to yeah. the point that, you know, they're giving a giving him MVP. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium banging Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, that's our legacy. Ready to be a part of it? Let's go, give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Give up. Order now at Acura.com. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at Fidelity.com slash Active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While Active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Um, all right, let's move on to our sixth man of the year, which is a very wonky market, um, which is good. Um, <laughs> right, given that, you know, the most boring market in the world right now is defensive player of the year. It's like, oh, yeah, if Gobert plays another 10, 11 games, whatever he needs, then that award is done. But you want chaos betting these markets and you want vulnerable favorites. Uh, I think, even though I don't think Malik Monk is mispriced necessarily. Still think he is vulnerable. I think the rest of the book is being distributed in the wrong way. So six man of the year, Malik Monk is minus 115. Tim Hardaway is three to one. Norm Powell plus 450. Uh, we're recording this before Norm takes the floor against Malik Monk, head-to-head matchup. Norm is starting that game uh, in place of Paul George, which isn't ideal, but probably a net positive for him overall, given that he will uh, get a lot of face time and uh, usage, you suspect, so Levert thirty to one, Bogdan Bogdanovich forty to one. Putting a line through Bogdan now the tray is hurt and Bogdan started. Um, and then Clarkson, Matherin, Portis, and Westbrook's in there as well. I don't think any of those guys are winning. Um, and then Naz Reed is the big mover. He's into twenty to one. Um, wow. What do you make of this market? Uh, well, big old correction on Naz Reed, which I agree with because he's been incredible off the bench for the Wolves. Been a huge part of their success. Uh, and it's been undercovered. Um, still at this point, uh, stuck on Powell Island. Um, excited that his price moves in, you know, it's kind of moving towards the top tier here, but, uh, I still think that the top two on this board are hot, hot fates. Um, I don't think that the Kings or the Mavericks are going to get into the top five in the Western conference. I think one of them will be in the play and one of them will be the sixth seed. 
Uh, and I think ultimately, um, you know, if you're that far down, if you're on the fringes of the playoffs, it's going to be tough if you don't have a huge case statistically over Powell, who right now you, they don't like, it's a pretty narrow margin in terms of uh, just counting stats. And I think Powell's role is going to be continued to be, uh, you know, kind of pressed into uh, mattering because they're going to try to continue to get Paul George rest, get Kawhi rest down the stretch. Uh, Norm Powell, of course, got, uh, the last game off. Uh, Clippers are in a little bit of a wobble right now, which is not, I'm not enjoying a, a ton, <laughs> frankly. Um, but uh, that said, Powell was, I thought, very good uh, against OKC, even in the loss, uh, and gets the night off in order to play tonight uh, and is probably going to be the featured guy. Like, he'll be the guy that is expected to carry the offense, particularly in the fourth quarter. Uh, and if he can beat the Kings and if he can get. Uh, you know, a healthy you know stat uh, count going tonight. Then you know he can continue to kind of help pump up some of his numbers because his season long stuff is trending up. Uh, and in general, he's playing well. Like he's just flat out playing well. Um, Malik Monk is you know he, you know he's a heater off the bench from a scoring standpoint, uh, but that's kind of it. And if that's you know I, I don't know that that's warranting six men consideration to what two minus one fifteen. Yeah, well, yeah, he's an interesting case because uh, I think on an individual basis, if you just remove the team, like if, if the Kings right now were a four seed, then Monk would probably be running away with this because he's, I mean, to be fair, he's only averaging 15 and five, but his usage and minutes have really ramped up of late. So like his points prop in the market each night is usually like 16 and a half. So if you project that out, he's going to end up averaging close to 16 points a game and five and a half assists efficient uh, or like league average, slightly above league average, true shooting. He's a terrible defensive player. His advanced stats are bad across the board. And the team right now is tied for the eight seed and they have a hard schedule. So I think, I still think Monk is the most likely player to win perhaps, perhaps by, you know, decent margin, but I don't think there's a ton of meat on the bone at minus 115 where I think the market is wrong at the moment is that I think Tim Hardaway uh, is is really heavily fading uh, in this market. And he just, one, he can't make a shot at the moment, which I don't care about as much, but it's tanking his numbers and his efficiency is falling off a cliff. The more important thing is that he just doesn't get the same minutes or usage when Luca and Kyrie are both fit and healthy. His stats this season are largely a product of his 10 starts when generally one of those guys is missing. Uh, and if you look at his pure bench numbers, then it's not impressive at all. And he doesn't play defense. He doesn't pass. His advanced stats are terrible. So it's like, what what does this guy actually do? Like, what what is his pathway to beating Malik Monk, let alone anyone else in the field? And I don't really see any unless... Uh, yeah, I just don't really see how he does it unless he just goes completely uh, ridiculously hot from three for the next six weeks. Uh, and he shoots well enough that, you know, they have to keep him in closing lineups. But, I mean, you take a look at his recent games and, I mean, it's just a mess. Like, he uh, he's 11 points, 12 points, 8, 5, 10, 19, 4, 0, 0 in 22 minutes against the Sixers uh, on February 5th. Uh, he's shooting this month. He's shooting 34.8% from the field, oh, 32% from three. He's averaging 1.8 assists for the month. Uh, I'm not sure. And he's playing He's playing 27 minutes, but I just I don't think that, uh, that there's just enough there for him to really turn this around. Um, and, I don't, and it only really happens if Luke or Kyrie get hurt. And then if that happens, then either he's starting, which hurts him, or the team is probably losing more, which yeah. hurts him as well. So I just don't really see the path for Hardaway. I don't think he's more likely really to win the, or like materially more likely to win than other guys in this market who I'll talk about now where my strategy in terms of uh, beating Malik Monk, how Jay Croucher is going to beat Malik Monk um, <laughs> is I think when you look at the flaws in Monk's case, it's primarily that uh, one, his team is favored to be the eight seed. Uh, and then two, his advanced stats aren't good at all, which doesn't matter a ton in this market, but may matter a little bit as if it's a floor on a guy who's on an eight seed. And so you want guys who stand in stark contrast to those things. So my strategy in this market is I am going to war with guys who have a chance to be a top two seed. Uh, now and guys who have, because you want that contrast with Monk where 
voters are sitting down like, oh, am I really going to reward the Sacramento Kings uh, who are an eight seed and Malik Monk is, yeah, the counting stats are okay, but the advanced stuff isn't great. Uh, or am I going to reward, you know, someone on the Minnesota Timberwolves or the Cleveland Cavaliers or the Los Angeles Clippers who are going to be, you know, 55-plus win teams potentially and potential top two seeds. So the three guys who I'm going to war with, for better or worse, and they're not the most inspiring soldiers, but they are my Norman Powell, we've talked about a lot, uh, Nazareed and Karis LeVert. And they all, now, Norman Powell's advanced stuff is like, he has like basic advanced good stuff in terms of like shooting efficiency, his EPM and his, uh, and his on-off is fine as well. But uh, the defense isn't great with Norm, but he has the shooting efficiency. Uh, he was fantastic in that game against Oklahoma City his last time out. Uh, and if he is able to play 27, 28 minutes per game and he averages 15, 16 points per game the rest of the way, gets up to 14 points per game on the season on like 64% true shooting and the Clippers are a two seed, then I think that can beat Monk. Naz Reed, uh, if the Wolves are the one seed and Naz is a hyper-efficient, uh, he's going to be 12-5. and five. It doesn't make you feel great, but he's been much better defensively this year and previous. His advanced numbers are better than Monk. If he's on a one seed and does that, I think he has a path to win. And then the weirdest one is Karis LeVert, who I've bet earlier in the season, I feel it's been the most uninspiring bet. It's like the meme of the <laughs> thing, prodding Karis LeVert. Can you do something, Karis? Like what? <laughs> and then he finally did something tonight, Drew. He put up 18, 12, and 8 against the Wizards in 28 minutes, and he closed the game. Cavs are a two seed. They're the hottest team in the league the second half of the season. Levert playing the way he did when Garland and Mobley were out helped them keep their season afloat. The issue is he just kind of feels irrelevant and inessential. But if he's going to get 28 minutes and close the game and the Cavs are a two seed, then if that can continue, if he keeps playing those minutes and he's closing games, then I think there's definitely a path where he can win, given that he's made huge strides defensively. Again, advanced stats, uh, EPM better than Monk. Um, better than some of these other guys. So I think there is a path for him too. He's 30 to 1. To me, that is a, a bet, a lukewarm, but I think that is still a bet on. But what do you think overall the strategy of riding with Powell, Levert, and Reed, uh, who aren't exactly LeBron, Wade, and Bosch, um, but they'll have to do it? <laughs> uh, a famous man once said, uh, you, go to, you, you go to the war with the army you have, not the army you yes. want. Uh, and I think the army you have, I'm fine going to war with them. Honestly, yeah. like, I, I don't mind, I, like, there's not, Malik Monks, and this is not to disparage him, like, <laughs> I'm glad he's made, I'm glad he's made a career out of, uh, you know, what is, you know, is, is, is a marginal NBA talent, uh, but, uh, like, he's not part of the telling the story of the season. <laughs> and the Kings are not part of the telling of the story this season. And right. if if Malik Monk ultimately gets it, it's going to be it's going to be because the Kings catch fire down the stretch. Not and at that point, like you, you know, betting him at minus one fifteen is absurd. Like you just bet the Kings, right? Like, I, and I don't think it's likely. Um, so um, there is a chance even that his usage and his time on court goes down because you know. Brown realizes <laughs> we need to win games. Can't have Monk out there for as much as we have him out there. Uh, and you see more, you see an uptick. Fox is playing 40 minutes. You see an uptick, uh, you know, with some of the players who are a little bit more, uh, you know, two way. So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's inflated because of the pace that the Kings run and because he is scoring. And that's about it. Uh, your Hardaway takedown, I thought was, you know, Chef's kiss, no notes, uh, and that leaves Powell, Reed, and Levert as realistic, <laughs> realistic candidates to take this. Because again, like going back to what we said last week, I think there are voters in the voting block who literally will look at who's the one seed, who's the six man. Oh, he's not a candidate. Who's the two seed? Who's the six man? Oh, Levert. He had some nice moments in the second half. Who's the one seed in the West? Uh, it's the Timberwolves. Oh, Nas Reed. That guy. He filled it up. He had some nice moments. He was a pretty important part of that team. Oh, Norm Powell. Norm Powell. He's been playing great. He won games. He beat the clip. He beat the. Uh, he beat the Warriors uh, in comeback mode. I remember that right before the All Star break. Right, like that. You know, it, there's a realistic chance that uh, you know that the the six men on the top seeds are ultimately going to take this home. That's the way it goes in all of the uninspiring years, really. Yeah. 
No, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, and I think that is the, the most powerful kind of unquantifiable thing in the market, which, which could come to bear. In terms of polling on this, there was a clutch points poll, um, which has actually strangely been predictive in years past. Um, really? Lined up with the actual results, yeah, which I didn't really realize until looking a bit more into it. But like Malik Monk got 33% of the vote there. That's and nice. right now he's minus 115 and he might be, I mean, this may be his high point. I'm not too sure. Like, yeah. it certainly feels like he's the guy at the moment. And the fact he only got 33% of the vote tells you that, you know, people are potentially a little bit lukewarm um, on Monk. Uh, a lot of people, when I've thrown this kind of concept of writing with these three soldiers of people, the, the, the comeback is that while Nazarene's averaging 12 points per game, uh, Norm Powell's averaging 13.5 points per game. I was like, yeah, in a usual year, that would sink you. But in this year, like the alleged kind of um, Sith Lord in the market is averaging 15 <laughs> and 5 on an 8 seed. Like it's yeah. very beatable. Um, very so I beatable. think that in this world, I do think that hyper-efficient, good advanced stats Nazarene on a 1 seed could beat Monk if he's an 8 or a 9. There is also the chance that like Malik Monk is just like a 9 seed, at which point like it, it just becomes yeah. potentially persona non grata yeah. um, if they start yeah. losing games. So yeah, you just we- have to bake that into the market too. We are in lockstep there. If the Kings are a nine or a ten, put a put a put a sharpie black marker through him. Yep. Nope. We're there. All right. Let's take down Malik Monk. Let's get it. <laughs> All right. Don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks to those of you watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. If you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to rate and subscribe. Also a reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon. Dot com slash NBC Sports from Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick. We'll see you tomorrow. Did you hear that? That's what an estimated 500 horsepower sounds like. How about that? That's a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system with 18 speakers and a Biosonic sound experience. And that, <laughs> that's our legacy. You ready to be a part of it? Go, give it to you. Unlock the energy of the all-electric ZDX Type S. Order now at Acura.com. Hey, Fidelity. How can I remember to invest every month? With the Fidelity app, you can choose a schedule and set up recurring investments in stocks and ETFs. Oh, that sounds easier than I thought. You got this. Yeah, I do. Now, where did I put my keys? You will find them where you left them. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC.